Ben Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday School lesson, Without Works. This week we will elect someone new to sainthood in Canon Fodder, and in Stand Up and Testify, we'll learn a story about someone who is finding a fun way of fighting the good fight. Attitudes toward women have never been particularly good in any culture, but the treatment of women in Jesus' time was particularly restrictive. There were terrible restrictions in what part women played in life and culture. Women were discouraged from leaving home for any reason other than attending synagogue, and even then were seated in a separate gallery. A man could divorce his wife by leaving her a note of his intentions in front of witnesses. Enter Jesus, who speaks to women in public, makes them disciples, and generally ignores the religious and social conventions about how women are to be regarded. There's an interesting story that has a great deal of relevance for the modern world. We find it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and glorified God. Of course, there was resistance to a woman being unleashed. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox and ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced, for all the glorious things that were done by him. Of course, the moment this woman is restored, someone in the patriarchy is bothered and tries to scold Jesus for healing her. This is a bad idea, because Jesus responds by calling the man a hypocrite and points out that the ruler of the synagogue would show more compassion to an animal than to this woman, part of his own faith and culture. Jesus cures this woman, loosing her from the spirit of infirmity that kept her bound. When confronted with a member of the religious establishment, who tries to invalidate the miracle, Jesus, true to his nature, asserts the right to cure her, because as a child of Abraham, she is of equal value to anyone. Here is the lesson for today. You are loose. You are not bound any longer, and no one can speak you back into servitude because the only one who can judge you honestly and fairly says that you are free. On Friday, September 18th, 2020, a cry went out over the land as the women of this country learned of the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. At 87, she had fought off colon cancer and several bouts of pancreatic cancer, but was unable to overcome it one last time. On September 25th, she became the first woman and the first Jewish person to lie in state at the Capitol. One more glass stealing she broke with her tiny but inimitable frame. There are dozens and dozens of obituaries and memes going around about Justice Ginsburg, affectionately known as the notorious RBG but I wanted to highlight some of the rights she obtained for me specifically. Before Ginsburg, state-funded schools didn't have to admit women. 
I went to Cal Poly. It's a state school, and I was admitted to four other state schools. Millions of women, especially lower-income women without access to private institutions, have received their education through state-funded schools. Women couldn't sign a mortgage or have a bank account without a male co-signer. Needless to say, as a single woman with strained ties to my family, I would have been unable to pay rent or bills on my own, leaving me very likely destitute. Ginsburg helped women make strides towards equals pay. We aren't there yet, and the gap is even wider for women of color. But without her, we'd be even further apart. Further, she pushed to protect pregnant women in the workplace, where previously standard practice was to fire a woman who became pregnant. She also preserved a woman's right to choose the path of her pregnancy, allowing for women to maintain autonomy over their bodies. She fervently believed that women should be in all places where decisions are made. This might seem simple. We make up over half the population, and decisions about almost everything affect us intimately. But we still fight to be taken seriously and on the same grounds as men. The election of 2016 shows us starkly that women are still at a disadvantage in this country, both with men and with women, because the patriarchy the U.S. was built upon is deep in our bones, and without looking critically and directly at it, there won't be shifts needed to overcome it. I want to say very quickly that the name put out by the president to replace Justice Ginsburg is an affront to both her memory and all women in this country, a woman we will discuss in a future episode of the show, which I have informed my co-host of moments ago, whose aim is to move women back, not forward. But Justice Ginsburg will live large in our memory. She passed on the eve of Rosh Hashanah. One of the themes of Rosh Hashanah suggests that very righteous people would die at the very end of the year because they were needed until the end. I wish we still didn't need her. I hope she was at peace. May her memory be a blessing. May her memory be a revolution. Mm. Next up, we try to bring you some good news in this week's Stand Up and Testify. I said I wasn't going to testify, but I could keep it to myself. Oh, I could keep it to myself. Oh, I could keep it to myself. I said I wasn't going to testify, but I could keep it to myself. Oh, what the Lord, the Lord has done for me. I first heard about Luyal Mayen on a segment of a CNN TV program. His story was intriguing. A Sudanese immigrant who launched his own company, Junub Games, after teaching himself coding while living in a Ugandan refugee camp. Luyal emigrated from North Sudan a 200-mile trip to escape the violence and deprivation of his war-torn country. He lost two family members along that survival trail, and constant peril natural and man-made assaulted him. Arriving in Uganda, he saw his first computer and was immediately fascinated. In that camp, he created the first version of what is now his game Salam, which recounts the trip his family made. Here is the really unique part of the game. It allows the player to live through the refugee experience. A character must buy resources to continue using real money that is translated into real-life resources through various non-profit organizations affiliated with his company. Let's stop there. So you buy, with actual money, resources Mm. in the game, just like any other pay-to-play game. Right. But that is translated into purchases that go to actual refugee camps so you're not just lining the pockets of ea games or whatever Mm -hmm. it is you are 
well, yeah, well, yeah. no, but I mean, yeah. he's not taking the money. Like I'm talking about EA right. Games, which just takes your money. Right. Like you, you pay them to get quote unquote resources, but all that does is give them money and give you digital stuff. But this actually translates to food and water and medical care for people in for refugee people camps. in refugee camps, which is pretty awesome. When I heard of this story, I knew I had to include it in our show. There's so much hostility and danger in the world that it makes me want to turn off the news. This was a story about a young man not only succeeding, but using his experience to teach other people empathy through play and provide a much-needed resource to people in peril. And you don't play a lot of video games. I do not. Uh, But they are finding that if you have first-person experience inside of these other games, it does lead to empathy. Like, it does... Well, he's help. His the description of his story and we included in the show notes some other articles about his experience. Um, he was still his family and all the other refugees were still being targeted as um. Well, still being targeted when they left the country. So there were points when they were being shot at. Oh wow! So they're in Uganda. They're in. They have uh, fled Sudan. from Sudan. Oh, and, I thought that... And they're going towards Uganda. Oh, okay. And in his experience, it was running out of food, it was running out of water, it was being shot at by hostiles, and it just... So he's translated that experience to a place where you can um, participate on it and understand. I, it'll never, of course, bring back the horrors of that no. experience where he well, lost two sisters. Oh, my God. Um, but what it's going to do is make somebody here understand... The, the perils that other people are going to. And since we have so much horrible rhetoric about immigration yes. and refugees yes. that is completely heartless, this will bring some empathy back to people and in a way that they'll understand. His personal story about working with his mother to save up money to get a computer and then powering that through walking, walking three hours a day to try to power up his computer for two hours of use, that's remarkable in itself because he was just very determined but then to bring this story forward and to share that with other people so that they can be a part of it, that um, that pushes it over. Now he's teaching compassion. Right. And apparently you're basically building, let's see, a high-tension runner game mm-hmm. puts player in the shoes of a refugee forced to flee a war-torn region. It is... Still in development, so it's not available yet. But we will keep uh, updated right. and update when uh, people can log on to play right. and spend some of their hard-earned money getting some empathy and uh, feeding some refugees. Doing something. Doing which something. Which is what we've always talked about. Faith without works is dead. It's very interesting to me that the name of the game is Salam as well. Yes, which, which means peace. Peace, which is the same word... It comes from the same word that we use in my faith, uh, Salem, Jerusalem, peace. It, it means the exact same thing. So he's not doing this, um, or rather he's trying to make the world a better place for people who are suffering. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review and share it with a friend. We have an internet home without workspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. 
We're also reachable at withoutworkspod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at withoutworkspod and on Facebook at withoutworkspodcast. All that information is also on the website, so go there and have a look around. I've been Amity, and he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to stay inside and do something good. Everybody's got a little light under the sun, under the sun.